welcome to the So Psychological Aftercast, where we ramble on about things that we found interesting in the episode. That's right, Susie. This is where we go beyond the episode. Oh, can we start calling it the Beyond Cast instead of the Aftercast? That's possible. Beyond. To Susie and Lizzie and beyond. <laughs> I feel like there's a Star Trek reference I could make and then you wouldn't get it. That was a Toy Story reference that I just made. Did you get it? I did, which is why I thought it would be appropriate then to also talk about Frontiers. Oh. Boldly go. And then I thought that you might not get that one. So I would I, get that was, one. Okay. Because that's a split infinitive. So the word nerd in you would, would get that one. Yeah. All right. Well, then shall we soar beyond? I. Move forward in some way. Hadn't ever heard to use asparagus for a kidney stone? Had you ever heard that yeah. before? No, I hadn't. Not at all. I'd heard of lemon, lots of water. Lots of water. So I have a yeah. friend and she swears by beer. She gets lots of kidney stones. And she's like, you drink beer, you drink several a day. And then, you know, she's, she just swears by it. She says it, it helps every time. I have never heard that. But I do think, you know, even if it didn't help break the kidney stone down, at least you would feel less pain. In that case, it could work as well. I don't like beer either. I'm not very good at being a grown-up and drinking the grown-up things, the coffee and the beer. I would rather have a lemonade, which is the water and citric that you're supposed to have to break up the kidney stones. Yeah, I've heard only uh, water. Lots of water and lemon. But I'll have to tell my sister about the beer thing simply because she is an artisan crafter, an artisan maker, should we say, of the kidney stones. I was hoping you were going to say artisan maker of beer, not kidney stones. That's a sadder story. It's not the most fun for her, but you know, it's like when you find something you're good at, you stick with it. Yeah. And her kidneys have decided they are very good at this. And so they have decided to make this their lifelong career. And they are, she is <laughs> a mass producer of crafted kidney stones. Oh, it's awful for her, honestly. She's always been told lots of water, lemon. And I was looking up to see like some things that they said also to have like, plant-based foods that have lots of calcium. Have lots of calcium. So I don't know if asparagus has lots of calcium in it because maybe that's why it's known for helping kidney stones because of that. And then the lemon, they say the citric acid actually helps bind itself to calcium and other minerals that allow uh, the prevention of kidney stones as well as helping flush things out. Flush things out. But then it's funny because it also said something like celery juice, right? Yeah. And it says, oh, celery juice is fantastic for this. It really helps. But you shouldn't take the celery juice if you have all of these health problems or any of these medications you take. And some of them are very common health problems, like slightly elevated blood pressure or low blood sugar or things that many people suffer from, but are yeah. able to manage with food or whatever. And then it has like a huge list of medications that run the gamut for what their treatments for. I don't know if this is that helpful if you can't take it. I would think celery juice would be fairly innocuous. You would think so, but it it literally said, don't take it if you're 
on these medications. So I don't know what properties these things have, or if it's just because it's a higher concentration of things, because celery itself is mostly water. I don't know, but they did say kidney beans are good. And yummy. And I don't think this can be true in any way, but it is a common myth. Maybe it's true. I don't know. It's a common myth though, that foods that look like your organs actually are beneficial to those organs. Really? Yeah. Like- so like the walnut, it looks like a brain and it's supposedly very good for your brain. The oil's in it. Oh, I like walnuts. I like walnuts. I like kidneys. My brain and my kidneys should be really happy. Have you seen that Cheerios are now making the Cheerios in the shape of a heart? No, like I not an organ heart, but like a Valentine's heart. Like a love heart, yeah. Yes. So because Cheerios are a heart healthy food, so they made it look like a heart. So I think that just proves the myth. Well, there you go. We're like Thank Mythbusters, but the apple cinnamon ones are really good. Yeah, I know you are a fan. So I also have to brag on myself a little bit. Yeah. Because I could have been a real weatherman. Tell me. Tell me, Susie. How could you be a real weatherman? I could have or been weather a woman real or weather person. Weather person. So my grandpa is a just prolific nicknamer. Yeah. And he nicknamed everybody. My dad's nickname was Al Capone. Um, but Not messing my with nickname, your dad. <laughs> my nickname from, from like, say, the age of two on was Hurricane. Ah, and so I'm like, that- I missed my calling, you know, Hurricane Jenkins coming at you live from Tornado the Alley. center of the storm. <laughs> I have I have a real weatherman name. I really do. All right, but what would you name yourself if you had to give yourself a weather name? Because that was your granddad's doing. My like if I was to pick for myself, I would be yeah. I think I would be morning dew. I can see it. What about something like crystal skies? For you? You would totally yeah, be crystal skies. I could see that. Or misty waters. Yeah, you could rock either one of those. Or misty skies or crystal waters. I could change it up depending on my mood, which is very weather-like. It is very weather-like. Since the weather's constantly changing. So, so along this line... Because this episode had also not just weather references in it, but it was taking place in the courtroom. And so much of the episode is about Sean helping Adam Hornstock kind of fulfill his his own destiny as a lawyer. But Adam Hornstock is not a law name. It's not a real lawyer name. So is he even a real lawyer? Do you need a real law name? Something like, say, Thomas a quiddle esquire oh that's a good one yeah my brain went to writ of habeas corpus which is not a good not a good name for somebody don't name your children <laughs> that what about like docket de jure docket de jure it's fancy that could work yeah 
right. And so then pressing this idea further. Yeah, because now it's like all fields should have their real names. So what about psychic detective? Hmm. Mr. Tarot. Detective Tarot. Yeah, I can get behind that. But I'm thinking, you know what would be a good police name? Is like Badge. Badge? You know, yeah, because you have you have people like weather people whose name is like Storm or like you have names like River and Brook and things like that. But what about like Badge? That's like a good strong name like Stone or something. That would be a, that he, would be a good name. And then his last name would could be something that fulfills the kind of psychic something. Let's see, like he could be like Badge uh, Channel, no Badge Mentalist, no um, <laughs> Badge Fortune, Badge detective Fortune, Badge Fortune, Private Detect, Psychic Private Detective Badge Fortune. But like our guys, Sean and Gus, Sean is a fake psychic detective. So his name would have to have something that means like faux in it. Like faux, F-A-U-X, like not real. Oh, that's actually really good because it leaves open a lot of opportunities because really F-A-U-X, you could keep it spelled that way, but you could pronounce it Fox. I've heard it both ways. Come on. The, the right way and then yours? That's right. So he could be something Fox. And there would be like a whole string of possibilities for his first name. Seer Fox. <gasps> That's a good one. I like that. Seer Fox. What about Gus, though? Gus isn't a psychic detective. Gus is not a psychic but he's, detective. He's, he's a partner in a psychic detective agency. Detective. He is, yeah. He's the only real detective in the psychic detective <laughs> agency. Well, Sean does his bit of detecting too. But oh, I was just making a white pharmaceutical. <laughs> he also has this pharmaceutical background. Um Medi-Cal. No. <laughs> that would be bad. Tab for tablets. And I then his last name has to be with like some sort of detective, like tab clue. Or tab stick out. Tab evidence. Tab, tab sting. Ooh, I like tab sting. How about tab sting, trooper? Sting tab. And his first name is Sting. Gus's first name should be Sting. You don't bumble with the B. <laughs> yes. He's a I real think, detective now. I think he, oh, I have a good name for He should be Niche McQueen. <laughs> he should be Niche McQueen. Because he's nobody's pawn. That's awesome. And he's got all of these special and he's skills. He's got all those special skills. And they always come in handy to save the day. So even though it was adventures. an accelerated program in sixth grade. That's right. So welcome to the adventures of Seer Fox and Niche McQueen. It has a good ring to it. <laughs> it does. 
Seer Fox and Niche McQueen. So how often Gus's niche knowledge bases and skills come into to rescue and save the day makes me wonder, like, is this like a thing? Like, do you have niche skills that come in and save the day? I don't know. Cause they're, they're like those kind of things where it's like, he has them because of his interest. And it's like, you know, whenever you have a hobby or an interest, even beyond your work or even with your, your job, you know, so much more than you think, you know. Yeah. And you never really know how much, you know, until those moments come. So I don't, I don't know, but like, I will say this, like, I've always been fascinated by, uh, cryptology cryptography so basically the study of code making and code breaking right yes and like I even read Simon Singh's book way back in the day about code breaking and it was actually that's an amazing book if you're interested in this thing it is interesting because he goes through like the history of it so he goes through all the different types of code codes that they've used and then even at the end of the book there's like a few pages where he's put something that can be deciphered this is Anyway, I read that book when it first came out and I found it fascinating. So I was doing an escape room recently. And of course they're using all kinds of multiple things and they put things in there that people can solve, you know, cause they want people to succeed, but they still want it to be a challenge. And I'm with a group of people, but as we're flipping through the drawers and everything, I saw this small device that I recognized as a particular code breaking tool. And so I just grabbed a hold of it and held on to it, knowing that I was going to encounter a code that would use this somewhere in the room. But nobody else knew what it was. They were just like kind of throwing it to the side. And later I found out that there were actually several different ways that they had put into the room to solve this clue. So different levels could achieve it. Um, mm-hmm. But I found it right away because I was looking for it, um, the, the particular code that needed broken with this tool. So I just whipped right through it. And they were just like, what, how did you do this? Which like, wasn't a great feat, but it was one of those things where an interest kind of came in handy and helped speed up a process that might've otherwise taken a lot longer. Yeah, that's cool. So I have like some niche interests. Yeah. But I don't know, I don't know that they've ever like, come in handy well not in that kind of situation so like i know how to solve a rubik's cube i yes you're very good at that i know how to you know finish sheetrock i can mud and tape with the best of them and i can see how that could come in handy your your knowledge of of sheetrock because let's say you're investigating a crime scene and you see there was a, a patchwork done here and it was not done well. And so you're able to, to realize this was not done properly because you know how to do it right. And so you were able to notice it and lo and behold, there's a million dollars specially a- in cash behind it. Do I get a finder's fee? Hopefully. Do, do, do I get, do I get a percentage um, by association? <laughs> I'm surely. We'd have to. Now, I looked up and found that there are several, uh, there's a, uh, I looked up and found some celebrities that actually have some interest that most people are not aware of. 
that could potentially come in handy. They, they'd have a, it would require a skill set or a vocabulary or a bit of knowledge that would go beyond what maybe the average person would have. A lot of people might not know that, but you know, if you have this wealth of knowledge about a particular subject, so for example, Gina Davis, she is an incredible archer. Oh, that's cool. So apparently she picked this up. I, I think, did she have to learn it for a role or something? She picked it up quite late in life, but she was so fascinated by it. She got a trainer. She learned all the ins and outs of it. She even went to the Olympic trials. That's cool. Now she of course did not make the Olympics. We would all remember that, but she did. She did score 37th. <gasps> That's impressive. So not high enough to make the Olympics, but pretty impressive. Yeah, um, well, 37th she, in in the best of the best of the nation. That's right. now she is actually That's impressive. A very smart woman. She's a member of Mensa and, and she has an incredible memory, a very high IQ. So it makes sense that like if she dives deep into something, she'll soak in all the information. But it just goes to show you where a certain fascination gives you such a wealth of knowledge and then the dedication helps build up that practice. Jason Statham was a diver. Really? Like Olympic yeah, like, diving? Right. Like competitive diving, not like deep sea diving or scuba, although he probably can do those because he can probably do anything actiony. But he actually even represented England at the Commonwealth Games back in 1990. That's incredible. So he was top tier diver. Jeremy Renner, who is my favorite Avenger, Hawkeye. Yes. Is he an archer? He, he's actually... A very impressive makeup artist. Really? I would not have guessed. So he apparently, when he was wanting to get into acting, he was, he'd take any job he could. And he thought this would be a good way to get in. And I could get in front of more people. I'd learn all the skills I would need to do to help me with auditions and things like that. If I can do my own makeup and all this other stuff and the whole gamut. And he is apparently gifted as a makeup artist. Now that could definitely come in handy. That's like some spy level stuff. That could come in handy. And the last one I found that I thought was kind of fun and interesting, which is a little more Gus like in that I feel like it's one of those things where you're not sure directly how, but just the knowledge of different things I'm sure could be used to find a clue or break open the case in some way. Terry Crews. We know Terry Crews. He's most Terry most loves yogurt. Been on not Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he does love his yogurt. He plays the flute. Really? Yes, absolutely. He is a flautist. Well, I hope that saves the day one day. I really do. I think that Terry Crews should save the day playing the fl the flute. I mean, or at least be with the flute knowledge, you know, because you can see like how Gus comes in and he's like, oh, I know this because of this. Like he would be able to look at some sheet music and be like, this isn't real music. This would be discordant. This must be a secret code instead. And crack open the whole case. See, my mind went to like the episode of Psych where the the program was locked because it needed to have the four 
voices singing in harmony. Right. Like, yeah, he should he should be able to play like a flute piece to open up a piece of important information. But only Terry Crews knows that flute piece. Now, Terry Crews would be an amazing addition then to I can't call him Black Capella because if he's playing the flute, they're no longer the Capella. But we know they're now called Quarter Black. So he would be an amazing part of Quarter Black. He would be. That's very true. I can That's definitely see you doing those dances. <laughs> so, folks, what niche skills do you have? We would love to hear. I tell you, Actually, you know what I would like to know? I want to know. Please send it into us. Can we guess your occupation by your occupation name? Yes. A name that you would like to have for yourself as your occupation. And see, can we guess your occupation? Are you a niche McQueen? Are you a Seer Fox? Are you a Thomas A. Quiddle Esquire? Let us know. Let us know. I want to guess. Although I don't think I would be very good at the guessing. We would be able to look at Thomas A. Quiddle and know that he is involved in the law. We would that's, be able that is to, true. We would be able to look at... At Cloudy McMillan and know that that's a weatherman. Yeah, I was about to say Sunny when you were in the clouds, but hey, we were close. <laughs> it's cloudy here. Yeah, so I wonder what your name would be folks so let us know also i want to know what niche hobbies do you have and have they ever come in handy yes it's i mean it's got to be a thing it's got to it be right it happens to guess a lot a lot and that's probably one reason this psychic detective agency has stayed open as long as it has oh for sure eight seasons and three movies Plus four, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, folks, if you have anything to say, please contact us and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any others. And you can always contact us at our email account. That's Susie and Lizzie at gmail.com. That's S-U-S-I-E-A-N-D-L-I-Z-Z-I-E at gmail.com. On Twitter. At Susie and Lizzie. Or on Facebook and Instagram. At So Psychological. We'll see you next week when we come back for Season 1, Episode 13. Game, Set, Murder. Love all.